So we find ourselves in a strange reality today as I'm coming to you in a way we're not used to doing this. We decided that it might be kind of silly for us to actually go into the sanctuary and for me to stand there and preach and pretend there's a congregation there when I know there isn't one there and you know there isn't one there and that at the end of the day that might just be more confusing. So we thought for this time, uh, let's let's keep it simple and let's put it in the context of what we can do with this format that we can't do usually. Uh, so we're in my office. There's just a few of us here in the office, but but the Word of God is not contained in, in just uh, small spaces and with the blessings we have now with internet and our ability to stream, these things can go out to lots uh, of different places. So if ever you doubted the words of Scripture, man makes his plans but the Lord directs his steps, I think that uh, we're living in a time like that. This is not what we had planned, not what we intended for this Sabbath. It seems as though we're going to be in this model for a little while. We know for sure next Sabbath will be the same way. And there's good reason to think it could go even beyond that into April, as our governor has indicated schools should not go back till at least the middle of April. So we'll just wait and see. We're still at the point where the number of cases continues to increase and um, distancing is continued to be the word of the day. So we're going to cooperate and do what we can. We're just so grateful that you're able to join us. We're starting a new series today. This has been the plan to start this series. This isn't how we intended to start it, but we're starting a new series today on testimonies about Jesus. And uh, what, what better series, really, uh, to align with where we're at right now than to remind ourselves about who Jesus is and the role he plays in our life. So I pray that today we will begin that. Today we're going to talk about John the Baptist and his testimony of who Jesus is and what it means. So let's pray and uh, we'll get started here with the text. Oh, one other thing we're doing differently today. I've got the text here on the screen, so I'll be turning over here and advancing the text as we go. And it's, as that's not something I've normally done, hopefully we'll get through that okay and I will keep it in order, but uh, we'll see how it goes. So I thank you for your your patience and also your willingness to engage this way. So let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be present in this moment and present throughout the moments of our lives, uh, wherever we are during this most unusual time. We pray for confidence in our hearts and that our trust would be in Jesus. And as we open your word today, Lord, speak to us. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin with the text. I'm going to go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. And there we find these words. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. He's just talked about Jesus was the light. And, and he's saying, John came to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So a few things it says about John here that I think are worth noting. First of all, it says he was a man sent from God. 
So God called him to a specific purpose. And, and I just want to pause on that for just a second to, to remind you of a simple thing. You don't have to be Jesus to be sent by God. God sends many different ones, men, women, sometimes children. Uh, Joel says that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So, so we can all be sent by God. But... There's a caveat to that, and, and I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But before we do, let me go on. The other thing that was said about John, John chapter 1 says that John the Baptist came as a witness concerning the light that all might believe. The purpose of him coming was so that people would believe in Jesus. Now, this is the key point I want you to understand, because this bridges to the next point, which is John the Baptist was not the light. He was only a witness to the light. And, and that's the second point I want to make here in saying that, that God calls and can send any of us. You don't have to be Jesus to be called by God, but just because God sent you, that doesn't make you Jesus. Now, what I mean by that is sometimes when, when we feel a burden from the Lord and we feel sent by the Lord, we get a little too centered on ourselves. And, and it cannot become about ourselves. If what you do or say, when you're on your calling from God, if what you do or say draws more attention to you than it does to Jesus, you're not doing it right. If, if ministry is making you famous, but it's not making Jesus famous, you're not doing it right. This is not about us becoming greater. And this point's going to come clear in the story of John. It's not about us becoming greater. It's about Jesus becoming greater. The thing is, if we get the ministry focused on ourselves, no matter what it is, if we get it focused on ourselves, not only does it hurt God's mission, but it endangers our own soul. So yes, we're all called by God, but we're called to draw attention to Jesus. So I want to go on here as we talk more about John. This is chapter 1, verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but, free, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. So there's a lot of expectation the Messiah is going to come. And so here's this John guy, and, and he's doing lots of stuff. And so it was an obvious question, but he said, no, I'm not. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Now, this is a reference all the way back to Moses. Moses said that one day the Lord will send a prophet after me. So this is the question. Are you, are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, Make straight the way for the Lord. It's kind of interesting because John here is talking with people who really are not that interested in his message. 
And what's interesting to me is he doesn't waste a lot of time with them trying to explain himself. He just goes back to scripture and gives them a quote. And he says, I am one crying in the wilderness. Now, the interesting thing about this is, is I believe in John the Baptist answers here. He actually sells himself short because he says, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. But Jesus will later say, yes, John the Baptist was the Elijah that was to come. So it's interesting that even in that reality, what he could have claimed for himself, uh, he still was humble enough to not do that. But he is fulfilling prophecy. And we can do that in our own lives too. And we do that when we go out and proclaim Jesus. But he's fulfilling prophecy from Isaiah chapter 40, which reads this, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. You may remember these words, they're key in the Messiah. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged place is a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, so John is saying, my purpose is to make the path straight so that the glory of the Lord can be revealed. Well, what is the glory of the Lord? Jesus is the glory of the Lord that is to be revealed. John was sent to make the way straight so that Jesus could be revealed. And this gets spelled out very clearly. We go back to John chapter 1, verse 24. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So he doesn't really engage their question. They said, why are you baptizing? He doesn't really engage their question because they're not ready for the answer. But he does go on and make his point some more, that I'm the one that comes before. But he will go on in a minute and explain why he baptized. So we go to the next verse, and, and this next verse really is the key verse here. This is the moment. This is, these are amazing words. I, I can only imagine what it would have been like to be there. But here we go, verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a moment that must have been. Because here John sees it. Nobody else sees it. Nobody else knows yet. But John sees Jesus. And he says, Look. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you knew nothing else about Jesus, this is enough. Now, we're blessed to know more. We're blessed to have the rest of the story. But if you knew nothing else, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that is enough if you believe. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But now notice this. But the reason I came baptizing with water 
was that he might be revealed to Israel. Here's the answer to the question the Pharisees asked. Why are you baptizing? Well, the answer was simple. I'm baptizing so that when Jesus shows up, I'll be able to point him out. That's kind of different than what we think, isn't it? Because people went out to him and he preached a baptism of repentance and they repented and were baptized. But John himself says, as important as that was, the true reason I'm doing this is so that Jesus can be revealed to Israel. Verse 32. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So understand this. This is amazing. John doesn't know who Jesus is. But God said to him, when you baptize the one that you see the Spirit come on, he is the one. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So what was John the Baptist's purpose? John the Baptist's purpose was to build up credibility and build up attention so that he could use it to identify Jesus for the first time. So did John succeed? Well, yes, he did. He succeeded gloriously. But here's the thing about John. John built up this amazing ministry. And then he met Jesus. And that was the beginning, not only of the end of his ministry, he also wouldn't live much long after that. That's kind of different than we think, right? My life was a mess. I met Jesus. Everything started working out for me. John's story is a little different. Everything was working out for me. I met Jesus. And then everything started to go the other way. Watch what happens here. Verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. So John has followers. These guys are close with him. He's close with them. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, I want you to understand what's happening here. Andrew has been a disciple of John. And there's someone else with him who's been a disciple of John as well. We're not sure who that is. It could be uh, the other John. We're talking about John the Baptist here. This could be uh, John, the brother of James. It could be Philip. It's not clear exactly. The text doesn't tell us. But we know for sure Andrew was one of them. And we know Andrew's going to become a disciple of Jesus. He's going to leave John. He's going to go with Jesus. And not only that, he's going to go get Peter. And that's going to set a whole lot of other things in motion. And this, one of the things set in motion at this moment, 
this moment where he says, look, the Lamb of God, and Andrew goes there, was the beginning of the end of his ministry. So here's a question to think about at this point. John the Baptist had a very successful ministry. The leaders knew about him. They sent people out to talk to him. People came from all over. Their lives were transformed. It was very powerful. He instituted this rite of baptism. If we had something successful like that, would we be willing to give it all up to see Jesus glorified? This whole reality of, of John the Baptist is really a, a paradigm breaker for us. He had it all going really well. But here's the thing about John. John came to prepare the way. But he himself was not the one. He was only to point to the one. He breaks this down further. We, we skip over to chapter 3 of John, John chapter 3, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. So now Jesus is doing this. Actually, it seems to say Jesus didn't do it, but his disciples did. Now John also was baptizing at Enon near Salim, because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. So John the Baptist is still out there. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. John's disciples were feeling a little defensive of John because everyone was now going to Jesus. To this John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. We would do well to learn this lesson. Because we spend a lot of our lives looking at the calling God has put on someone else's life or the blessing that has come to someone else. We would do good to learn this lesson about God's sovereignty, that a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. I'll tell you this, our lives would be a lot more peaceful if we would trust the sovereignty of God. But let's go on. To this John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend, attends the, bride, the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Now, this is an interesting notion, isn't it? That my joy would not be found in the wonderful success of my ministry, but rather my joy would be found in the way that everyone is eagerly chasing after Jesus. He must become greater. I must become less. So what does it mean? Well, we don't preach and sing and build buildings and run programs so that people will know the name of the Forest Lake Church. We do all of those things so that people will know the name of Jesus. If they never remember us at all, but 
their lives are transformed by relationship with Jesus, that's what we want. We don't want to become famous. We want Jesus to become famous. What if the core of our own hearts, what if the message of our own hearts was, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This was the message of John the Baptist. This was his testimony. This is who Jesus was and is. At our core, this has to be our message too. And what better time to get back to this basic, fundamental, foundational reality of our hope. That Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want to make two appeals. The first is, well, to the sinners. And I guess in one sense, that's all of us. But I particularly want to speak today to, to those who know that you are far from God. Here's what I want to tell you. God has provided for you. Jesus has taken away your sin. But there's two things you've got to do. you got to believe Jesus. And you got to follow Jesus. Believe that Jesus takes away your sin and follow him because he wants to lead you to a new life, a life built on a foundation that is hopeful. And, and how, how could we do this? Well, I want to encourage you to do something. In fact, I want to encourage everybody to do this. So wherever you are, I want you to say these words with me. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away my sins and the sins of the world. Okay? I want you to say that with me. Are you ready? Let's say it together. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away my sins and the sins of the world. And just like that, they go away. Because Jesus is the Lamb of God. You can be cleansed from your sin today by putting your faith in Jesus who takes away the sins of the world. This will give you hope. This will give you a starting place. Now we're going to build on this in the days ahead. There's more testimony about Jesus. There's, there's implications to faith. But this is the core of it. So believe this today and have hope. But now I want to also make a second appeal, and this is specifically to those who know that they've put their faith in Jesus and know that he has taken away their sin. And hopefully that's everybody right now. And here it is. Are you living your life in a way that makes Jesus famous? Now, you don't have to be a pastor or work for the church or whatever to do that. You can do that in any, any part of your life. Are you living your life in a way that makes Jesus famous, that makes people say, what is the reason for the hope? 
you have. He must increase. We must decrease. We will have succeeded not when the world knows our name. We will have succeeded when the world knows the name of Jesus and believes in Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, send your spirit to give us confidence that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then give us in our hearts a wild desire and passion to live the gospel. Lord, help us that we don't become famous, but that Jesus becomes famous. In his name we pray. Amen.